strong. Welcome back to the Trix Performance Channel. My name is Rob Dells, and as, as always, I'm joined by Damon Bednarski. Welcome to you, Damo. How you going, Rob? I'm very well, thank you. Our apologies to Sean, who couldn't make it again today, uh, so we're working without him in his absence. But today we're talking about a pretty important uh, topic, again, following mental health, and that is the mental health for athletes, particularly in the social media era, I guess you'd call it uh, nowadays with professional sport and how social media does provide a good platform for these athletes in terms of um, marketability, but also the the darker side of social media and the fact of you know, constant negative behavior from fans and, and some bad treatment to athletes from uh, those people who like to indulge in that sort of stuff behind a keyboard. So today we're going to talk about that and some of the conundrums that fa- uh, athletes face and and the, the general landscape around access to athletes, particularly in the social media era in which we're in. So I suppose, Damo, the impetus for this discussion surrounded the incidents surrounding Naomi Osaka uh, at the French Open. I'm not sure whether uh, you across this or do I have to give you a bit of a recap? No, I'm across what happened with uh, oh, Naomi. Good. Uh, good. Uh, so for anyone who isn't in terms of Naomi, she um, cited some mental health reasons following a decision to not participate in a post-match press conference and said that they were basically they said that they promote a negative stimulus for your mental health. I think it's paraphrasing there, but it was generally along those lines. So, and then what happened is that you know she pulled out of the um, the French Open as well. So it's that instance has probably raised a, a bit of a spotlight on I think the access players give to to press conferences and and some you know, how I guess you know, maybe journalists or stories written about athletes can adversely affect their mental health given how connected we are as a society now given everything's basically digital online and and easily accessible from anywhere in the world so it's a pretty big issue damo oh, it certainly is I, I know having spoken to quite a few athletes they a lot of them tend to not be on any social media or cut themselves mm-hmm. off from a lot of platforms because of yeah. how much how much slander and stuff is out there towards them if anything goes wrong that's the yeah. best place for people First, people to crack, first place for people to crack up is to send out a tweet when they miss their multi by one disposal no. or something like that. So That's problem, um, I, can, I can completely understand that that they they wouldn't want to be on there because they're scrutinised enough as it is in in the print and the TV media. Let alone when you've got every Tom, Dick, and Harry that can post on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram about their performance. Um, it mm. certainly would be be difficult to deal with. That's a problem, isn't it? is a problem i think what you just said there is that it's basically we've got a bit of a deadly cocktail now in terms of i guess athletes mental health and there's a few different factors that go into that cocktail the first one is obviously accessibility to athletes whether whether that's on social media or whatnot that you, you know, athletes do see the information that's written about them so you combine that with fans that are reacting to a result first and foremost and then you've got gambling as well which does tie into that so like as you just said there about you know missing a leg in your multi or whatever, that's become folklore almost in terms of, you know, people posting that stuff online that, you know, they've missed a leg in the multi because of this and this. And then they inbox players and, you know, and tell them that they've, you know, they've stuffed up their multi, they would have won X amount of money, which is just ridiculous. But that creates a bit of a deadly cycle now in terms of athletes where they are on the receiving end from Joe Blow, who's, you know, missed the leg in their multi and basically, you know, done their money. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous, mate, because these people can, you know, jump on there and they're seemingly free to say and, and do whatever they like and they don't really receive much consequence back, do they? Whereas an athlete does that, then 
you know, they can't do it because of the platform on which they're standing on. There, there's serious ramifications for for athletes. Um, yeah, that, they do that, Post mm. stuff on social media or if they bite back, they're straight away shunned for it. But anyone can yeah. sort of put up a tweet. And as I was just saying before, to you before we came on air, like uh, there's an English cricketer, Ollie Robinson, who's getting in trouble for tweets he put up 10 years ago that were deleted and have been mm. resurfaced. And he's been banned from playing international cricket until that's resolved. Yeah, um, right. but, but we could put up a tweet abusing an athlete yeah. or doing something like that. There's no ramifications for us. So it certainly is the standards are very different, but it's also very difficult for, for athletes because they're, they're put in difficult positions in terms mm. of that. They've just, got, they've just got to cop it on the chin, don't they? They're not allowed to. Well, yeah, this. that's it because they've got so much more at stake, the athletes, don't they? Like they have, you know, they obviously want to be marketable themselves to, you know, get some third-party money in away from their playing contract or, or wherever it might be. So they need to remain sort of diplomatic in what they say and, and they can't do anything, you know, that gets them offside to people. But they're still, I guess, forensically assessed in terms of their performance and, or anything, even their appearance as well gets, mm. they get hammered for. So you're basically on this, this hiding to nothing really as, a, as an athlete where you know, you'll cop it from journalists, you know, they'll write stories about you and then when they publish those stories and fan bases are then potentially swayed by what journalists have written about, you know, particular narratives or how people are portrayed and, and then that just spins out a vicious cycle. Now, obviously, there's some very like some really good stuff that happens on social media, but I think the important point we're talking about here is just the level of scrutiny that athletes are in that, you know, athletes 20, 30 years ago didn't probably feel or didn't probably have the same amount of attention based upon them. Obviously, there's exceptions like, you know, Michael Jordan, we're talking about basketball, obviously, he would have had plenty of sort of physical interaction with fans. And even like, if you want to go like, say Yao Ming, he was big in basketball as well for China. Again, similar sort of thing there, but this 24 seven sort of access and scrutiny towards athletes is just unprecedented and something that, you know, the likes of you know, people from the last 50 years just haven't experienced. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, like if you're a state cricketer or a professional mm. soccer player in Australia, pre A-League days, you'd be able to walk down the street without anybody recognising you. Um, <laughs> you, 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 you. You wouldn't be copying any, um, you know, slack for the, the 10 yeah. you made on the weekend. Yes, in, in exactly, a, yeah. A shield game or a one-day game yeah. um, mm-hmm. because nobody knew who you were. Now that, you know, yeah. you, you could be making your debut for your state and, you know, millions and millions of people get to watch yeah. you on Fox Sports the live streams and then yeah. they can comment on your, on your um, performance. Mm. Um at that point of your career, you haven't really been prepared how to deal with the media and the pressures of that either. So I think the consequences of those types of comments for people early in their career that maybe are in those sports that aren't as well trained in media, mm. it's certainly that could completely destroy your career and your confidence if you, you're copying that type of slander so, so early on in your, in your career. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting as well is that even if someone comes up to you in the street and tells you how bad you're going, that doesn't happen as frequently as what would happen online because you'll be pretty gutsy or stupid to go up to someone physically and you know, give it to them about a performance. So, yeah, and, and that's what it is. It's just easy and it's doubtless to you know, have a crack at someone on, on, you know, on the various forums as well. But I think in terms of Naomi, when she was talking about press conferences and you know, how the questions that you know she would be asked wouldn't, you know, promote a bad or a substandard mental health for her and and then how those questions were then probably written and, and the narrative pushed out from there. But 
I think there is also a big conundrum with all this, and I think I hope that you'll agree with me when we talk about it, is that athletes earn a lot of, hopefully athletes earn a lot of money uh, to do what they do because they're highly specialised and they obviously have a pretty rare skill set for most people. And, and tennis is probably the best example where there's a higher sense of, of, of equality between male and female athletes in terms of prize money, particularly at Grand Slams, where that's generally pretty equal. But where this money comes from is where the conundrum is because athletes need to be remunerated for what they do. But a lot of that money comes from commercial backing in, in terms of sponsors and, and you know, media as well. So in terms of you know, broadcast deals, media rights, that all has a monetary value that then goes to the athletes wallet effectively as well. So I think the big conundrum is here, well, these broadcasters and media, they need the access because they need to make a return on investment that is going to the athlete as well. So it's a pretty difficult thing about press conferences and access, isn't it? Because you can't bite the hand that feeds you, can you? No, and I think tennis is probably one of those difficult ones where you play for yourself. You're not actually like a line to a club or an organization so everything so everything's sort of like self-invested but when when it comes to it like the grand slam tournaments are all organized by say like atp or the wta so they're actually affiliated with that so as a player there actually would be some sort of contract that you'd be obliged to follow to be to be a member of those associations Mm. which i'm sure involves rules about media which it did that's why they get fined if they don't attend because yeah because those associations and tournaments and everything won't exist if they don't have the backing of such things so Mm. it is a contractual obligation and it's the same in every other sport like here the the premier league in the soccer if you don't if the coaches or the players that get asked to don't if you get man of the match if you don't go to the press conference you get fined if you're the coach you don't go to the press conference you get fined it's like that in most sports where the coach has to rock up but but in saying that if the questions this is my point to the argument Mm -hmm. if the questions you don't like there's actually no rules in a lot of the places that you have to actually offer up much of a response you just have to physically yeah. be there hmm. um so i mean how you choose to answer them that's potentially where the athletes could go yeah. about it but i i do see that yeah the, the questions that they often get asked are quite probing and can you know yeah. go back to our earlier points about lead to poor states of mental health when you when, yeah. when you've just lost a game and you have to front up to a press conference well absolutely but then i guess if you're putting your journalists hat on or if you're a media mogul and you're saying well hang on i'm paying a lot of money yeah losing is a part of life is that then if you're speaking from a general side then you know is that a bit is that a bit you know you can't have it both ways as well because you know if you're paying a lot of money and you like you need to ask some some tough questions and if it's the athletes that's not prepared to answer them back then is that the journalist fault as well or is there going to be there's got to be some sort of give and take here it can't still be well, athletes are receiving bulk, bulk amount of money and surely there needs to be some sort of meeting in the middle there, I imagine. Yeah, I can't yeah. disagree with you there, Rob. It's, yeah. it's um, you got to take the good with the bad and if you yeah. win, you win. If you lose, you lose. Um, yeah. that, that's just the nature of the sport and that's mm. what you've got to learn as you grow up as an athlete. So you mm. do have to be resilient and deal with that. Um, obviously, yeah. I know if I, if I just got done, I probably wouldn't want to rock up to a press conference. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Playing, but, down at, playing down at yeah. the Maui tennis courts, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's no money involved there. So Yeah, but, but that's it though, isn't it? Like if you... If, Athletes boycott those responsibilities and 
should they expect to see receive the same remuneration then i think that is an interesting point like it there might be you know things around that that say well no hang on they haven't fulfilled their obligations as, a, as an entrant into the tournament so i don't think there's a particularly right or wrong answer because both sides i think have very credible claims as to you know potentially being impacted upon by the other so it's interesting because athletes do need the media attention they need the publicity in order to build them brand up and and help them lead a life that they wish to lead and then you know the the journalists still need information out of them so that they can you know retain their jobs and media can um, can obviously portray that to to match their return on investment so it's pretty tough isn't it like it's it's i don't think there's a right or wrong answer which when we're talking about solutions from here they're very difficult because it's hard to sort of you know, keep all parties happy, I reckon, in this, which would be a minefield uh, commercially. But when you talk about the commercial angle, there's a few people, or there's one particular group that I spoke to you about, which was interesting to see, and that is the mental health app that's called Calm. So they offered to pay uh, the fines for athletes who wanted to boycott their press conferences, obviously due to the similar circumstances surrounding Naomi Osaka in terms of mental health. So first and foremost... It, this is a, probably a genius marketing strategy from Calm uh, because of how well uh, run it is in terms of the, the target demographic and, and basically showcasing their ability to help people's mental health. So from that point of view, it's absolutely outstanding, regardless of whether it's a gesture or whether it's you know, grandstanding or whether it's um, you know, meaningful. I think it's A+. Plus. Don't you? Yeah, they've done very well for their own personal yeah, brand. Absolutely. Um, it's on brand for them, yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing that you have to be careful about, and it's probably a bit of a touchy subject though, is but just making sure that people aren't using the mental health reason mm. to get out of it just because that you because mm. if, yeah, if, if, it, yeah. if someone uses mental health as as a reason, generally there's no further questioning or probing into what that specific issue is. Yeah. And and it has been used wrongly in the past with people trying to cover up other things that are going on within an athlete's environment. So that's one thing that I, I, it's, yeah, it's very contentious and you don't want to be on the wrong side of it. But I just, I just hope that people that are using Mm. this as their reason for not attending a press conference or or not doing something is because it's, it actually genuinely is the reason and that they're going to get, they're going to get help and assistance about it. I don't want, I don't like seeing when people use it to take the mickey to get out of doing something and then they're not actually doing it because it takes away from the seriousness of mm. mental health as a as an actual issue with athletes um, and people in the general public. If you're using it as just a cop-out, then it, it starts to really yeah. take away yeah. from the seriousness of it. Yeah, absolutely. We also don't want to promote what you say in the fact that Calm have offered to pay for anyone who doesn't rock up to a press conference if all these players boycott it, then there's a good, there's a fair chance there might be some, you know, fiscal and financial uh, backlash from that in tournaments to come as well, which people need to think about because you can't just have people not rock up and not fulfil their obligations, which is helping to pay for their prize money as well, which I think is a pretty dangerous tightrope to be walking on. So, again, it's interesting and it's not something that there's an immediate solution we have we have either. Like I think this is something that's just going to go. Um, it's going to continue because, again, there's your two big um, pillars of, of sport pushing against each other. Um, so I, I don't have the answers for you on this one, Damo. 
Yeah, I think the thing there as well is that if if every player or numerous players are coming out about it, then I think they need to review how they're going about it because it might be a wider mm. issue. Like you said, there's we don't have the answers to it. Nobody has the answers to it. But um, I, I mean, particularly in tennis, if that's what we're looking at, if if a number of athletes keep coming out, then maybe the ATP and the WTA need to consider how they conduct their mm. press conferences afterwards and and set guidelines for that if they're if that's a way to go about it potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, I don't think censoring questions is the way to go or just asking positive and, and, and fruity questions. I think that there still needs to be some sort of resilience in, in athletes and, and you know, despite the, you know, some of the horrendous things that happen online, you still need to be able to face to that, you know, defeat and, and face your obligations there as well. But I think that's all we've got time for uh, in this episode as well, but some, again, some pretty interesting discussion points there and, and hopefully some of the people within the network will have comments as well on, on what they might feel is some practical solutions or the landscape of this um, in terms of player access and social media and, and some of the negative repercussions from that. But thanks to you, Damo. We'll see you next time and, and hopefully Sean will join us for one. Cheers, Rob. <laughs>